been a long journey. People come up to me and they say, how are you doing? I'm like, it's been a long journey. Been a lot of places, been in a lot of uh, different situations, and it has been a long journey. I was a Nebraska Christian for six years. About 10 years ago, I've been in Houston for the last six years. I'll just give you a little background for some of those of you I see familiar faces that, are, that have been here for a long time and were here when I'm here. I'll just give you a background, just a little, little uh, oh, whoa, there's, uh, that's blurry. There she is, Miss America. My wife was Miss America in 1972. <clears throat> Actually, she didn't enter, but she would have won. She absolutely, I mean, you look, she would have absolutely won Miss America in 1971. Kim and I have been married 35 years as of Monday, so she was up there and I was down here and it was our anniversary, but I did the right thing, guys. Yeah, I sent some stuff to her. Yeah, I, I got it all set up, so we're good. We were all good before I left, so I said, hey, I'm going to be gone. I got been trying to get up to Nebraska Christian. Gordon's been trying to get me up there for a long time, and I said, I just really need to go. So, uh, so it worked out, but it was happened to be on our wedding uh, anniversary. So we've been married 35 years. Um, we have uh, eight grandchildren. This is Danica. If you remember her, she graduated from Nebraska Christian. She came for one year. She has two children. They live in Houston. They live about, uh, about five blocks away from us. They have two of their own kids, and they have two of their own that they adopted out of the foster care system. Danica teaches Spanish and Bible. She's been teaching with me for about six years. Now she's teaching at Cypress Christian. And Kim's been uh, staying with little Judah, the little guy that Danica's holding. Uh, he's not school age yet, so we've been taking care of him. He comes over to my house every day, and we just have a great time. He calls me Grumpa. I'm not sure why he calls me Grumpa. I'm not a grumpy guy, okay? But this week we learned the letter T, trucks, trains, <laughs> timeout. Um, we learned a few of those words. So Danica, they're doing well. This is our daughter, Rebecca. She taught in China for three years. She taught in Beijing. When she came back, she started teaching at Cornerstone Christian in Omaha. She has two kids, Clement and Josie, and uh, CJ works in an in a electrical company with his father. They have an electrical business where they create, uh, they sell these kinds of lights and light fixtures and a lot of electrical things. And so Josie is one years old, and she's, uh, <clears throat> she's my favorite. She's on the right there, and she's my favorite. Actually, when people say, who's your favorite grandchild, I always just tell them, it's the one that I'm with. You know what I mean? When you're with grandkids, and you'll realize that someday, when you have grandkids, the one that you're with, <laughs> they're your favorite, right? They just, because uh, they adore their grandparents. Um, and the great thing about being a grandparent is they can play at your house, and then you can send them back to their parents to be the problem. You can just get, you're gone. You're out of here. And this is Luke. Luke is, uh, Luke uh, finished uh, part of his year at Nebraska Christian because we moved his senior year. When we moved to Houston, he stayed here and played football and basketball. Uh, wanted to play with Mr. Ostrand and finish his year out with Mr. Ostrand playing football and basketball. And, uh, and then uh, he came down his in the spring and he ran track at Northland Christian, went on to become a decathlete at ACU, and he married a, a pentathlete. So uh, uh, Taylor, he married, he met her on the track team. She does eight events in two days, and Luke did 10 events in two days, pole vault, long jump, high jump, triple jump, hurdles, all that stuff. So why you do that, I have no idea. I asked him, do you think you ever want to do that again? He goes, no, <laughs> just wears your body out. So he's an engineer. And uh, his latest project that he worked on was, uh, you know, we're trying to send somebody to Mars right now. We're going to send some people to Mars. So in Houston, if you're, a if you're over age 33 and under the age of 55, NASA is looking for people right now to live in this uh, building that has been simulated to be Mars. And they want you to live in there for a year uh, with, any out with no outside contact to train you to go to Mars. They're going to send these people to Mars. And so Luke just worked on this building, and he did all the mechanical um, design for this building, and they're going to send these people to Mars. So 
that's a little strange. We'll see what happens. Um, after I'm in there for a year, they'd probably want to send me to Mars. That'd probably be quite crazy. So Taylor, she's a stay-at-home mom. They've got two little ones, and uh, Lincoln's on the far right. Aaliyah's on the left. And uh, Lincoln was a preemie. He was, ba- he was born just over a little over three pounds, and so he had quite a go of it. And so he's, a, he's, he's just a miracle. He's just a miracle baby. He just smiles all the time, and I know why he smiles, because he's alive. He just smiles all the time. He's alive. So this is the whole clan right here. And so uh, um, crazy thing is when we talked about, um, when Gordon just talked about passing things down to the next generation, we're the next generation and you're the next generation. My, par- my, mo- my mother's still alive, but uh, Kim's parents have both passed away. And so we're realizing we went out to the farm and took basically the last time we were all together as a family, took family pictures on the family farm because that generation's gone. And so now it's our turn. And so we're taking it very serious what we're doing with our grandkids. We're, we're very serious about what we're doing with our grandkids. Let me just ask you, um, uh, just let me just tell you something, just a little background. For those of you kids that you just don't even have to listen right now, I'm just going to talk to the adults. I'm going to talk to the, the teachers and the staff that are here right now. <clears throat> we are in a battle, and it's a battle. You know, I, I, didn't, I grew up during the Vietnam War, never went to war. Don't know anything about the war. Not much about it. I mean, I, I just, I, I read about it a little bit. I, I had a teacher in high school that was involved in the Vietnam War, but I didn't know anything about it. And I traveled to Vietnam, and I was in a hotel one time, and all these guys were standing around, milling around in the, in the, in the lobby there, and they all had Vietnam vet hats on. I thought, I wonder what they're doing. I went over, and there was a gal standing there. She looked like the tour director, and I said, uh, what are you guys doing? <clears throat> she said, she goes, this is my dad. She said, all, these are all these guys that served in the Vietnam War. I stood and talked to those guys, and they told me where they were going to go, because I knew Vietnam. They were going to go in different spots in Vietnam. They were going to go back just as some healing because of the things they had done and seen in the Vietnam War. And I learned a lot about the Vietnam War in just 10 minutes talking to those guys. We're in a war now that I never thought I would be in. For a long time, in my mind, I just thought, oh, there's no war. I'm just, you know, this is America. This is great. Nothing's going on. I was in the public school. I was teaching for 16 years. I was an administrator. I thought everything was great. I was on my way. I was going to be a superintendent, all that stuff. And I realized I'm in a war, and it was a war for the hearts and minds of my own children. And God said, you're going to be held accountable for your own kids someday, so you better get it together. And that's when I, everything changed. God turned my world upside down. Totally so those of you that are here in this ministry right here, do not be discouraged because we're in a war and it's ramping up. It's going to ramp. It's ramping up more and more and more. When I come to Central City, I'm like, this area is, is fairly protected. In Houston, you wouldn't believe what's going on in regards to worldview. We are in a battle. If you've lived outside of here, you know what I'm talking about. You're shaking your head. You're like, you get it. It is a battle going on for the hearts and minds of kids, and they want the hearts and minds of every kid. So don't be discouraged. Because we're going to stand up, and, and God's needing people to stand up right now to stand in the gap for these kids. And so I just encourage you, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Don't let your guard down. I'm semi-retired right now. I'm just trying to figure out what's the next step, what, God, God's God, what does God have for me. But for you teachers, just be encouraged and staff members. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. So if you've got that, and just update on me, I just, uh, what I did was I, I left here and I went to a Northland Christian down in Houston, Texas, school about 550 kids, um, and uh, went down there and was the head of school for six years and director of international programs for the last four years, and uh, I'm just ready to do something different now. My time in ministry there is finished, and so I'm doing some other, other things. So today we're looking at Philippians chapter 1. So let's just read it. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints... 
in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for, for you all, making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart and for you all and for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, what is pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So in, verse, in, the verse, in the very first, first verse, Paul's with Timothy. Mr. Zanger talked about that. He went through the first four verses, writing to the church in Philippi. Verse 2, if you look at verse 2, grace and peace to you. Paul realized that he was saved by grace. Verse 3, thanks, in, thanks to God in all remembrance and in every prayer with joy. So when he was thinking about the people that he was serving, the people that were not with him, he was very thankful. When I come here, I'm very thankful for the people that I have served with in this ministry let's look at verse five verse five because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now so when i come back and i see mr falk mr Thiessen, people that i have been in ministry with the reason we have a connection there's it's not because um I, we're big bodybuilders and we lift weights together obviously i don't do that you know what i mean so it's not that I don't, we don't have that connection the connection we have is we're partners in the gospel of jesus christ that's what the connection was. That's what brought us together from the very beginning, was the gospel of Jesus Christ. From the beginning until now, that's why I'm thankful. Because here's the deal. I realized without Christ, I was doomed. I was doomed. I was actually running towards hell. And I was like, I was like no problems, no questions asked. When high school, I was a good guy. When I was in college, I was a good guy. But you know, behind the scenes, I was running for the cliff. Running for the cliff. And it wasn't until somebody really told me that you're running for the cliff that you realized I was, I was doomed. So let's look at verse 6. He says, he who began a good work in you will, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And look at 7. It's right for me to feel this way, both in my imprisonment and defense of the confirmation of the gospel. So here's a guy who's in jail He's chained up, and he's saying to the other people that he's writing to, the church of Philippi, he's saying, hey, he who began a good work in you is going to finish it. Okay, this guy is sitting in jail. This guy is sitting in jail. He's chained up. Okay? And he is saying to everybody else, hey, God, don't worry. God's going to, whatever he started in you, He's going to finish it. Paul's in chains, so he's probably wondering, hmm, what's going to happen to me? But instead, he's saying to everybody else, and he's saying it with joy, I'm thankful for the partnership. You're in the partnership with the gospel with me. Confirmation of that, but you're in chains. Anybody in here been in chains? Anybody in here been arrested that want to admit it? Anybody? <laughs> oh, I've been arrested. I was arrested. I joked with the seniors about being in the L.A. County Jail. I did go into the L.A. County Jail, and I was, I was a visitor. <laughs> this was after, you know, after I, some change, things changed in my life. But uh, several years back, many years back, I was working in a ministry. And uh, 
I just felt like the Lord, I was just, I was really falling asleep. I'd really kind of set back and kind of just doing the daily things in the ministry. In the ministry. And I, I realized I was falling asleep. The Bible says there, you will slumber at times and you need to wake up. And I was, <clears throat> got up that morning about 4.30, got down next to my bed. I just started praying. I said, Lord, I just feel like I'm falling asleep. And I'm just asking you to do something today in my life to wake me up. And I went to the ministry, and I was at the ministry, and while I was there sitting at my desk looking at my computer, <clears throat> I heard a couple announcements, and uh, they were calling people to come to the main office of the ministry. And I didn't go right away. I had some things I needed to do, so I finished doing those things, and finally they got the call. They said, everybody needs to come to the main office now. And I walked into the main office, and there were federal agents in the main office, <clears throat> ATF. FBI, the guys with the jackets that flip the things down that say, you know, they're federal agents. And uh, I walked in, and I, everybody was sitting in the room. All the guys I work with were sitting in the room. And I was like, oh, this is really odd. <laughs> you know, you, don't, you see it on TV, you know, you see those guys busting through the doors and all that stuff. And as I was going to the office, I looked at one of the guys, one of the guys that does our shipping and stuff with the, with the books and the materials. He was an 18-year-old kid, and he was out on the ground with his hands on his head. And they were surrounding him, and they were bringing him into the office. He's an 18-year-old kid. I thought, what is going on? And I leaned over my buddy. He's like, what's going on? They're like, we're being raided. There's something. The feds want something in our ministry. Okay. So they started taking us one by one into the other room and started asking us questions, which I knew nothing about what they were asking for. I didn't know what they were asking. I said, I, I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I work for the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I don't know what you guys are doing. I don't know what you want. And they said, well, we need to look at your computer, and we need to look in your van, and we need to look at some of those other things. And I said, that stuff's my personal property. All that stuff's my per personal property. I said, I, I can't let you do that unless I look at, I just need to see, I just need to see the search warrant, right? I mean, I'm American. I live in America. We have a constitution, right? I just need to see the search warrant. And, I, and they said, well, you, we don't have to show you the search warrant. I said, well, you're not looking at my stuff. And you're not going into my van, and I'm not giving, giving you the keys. I had nothing to hide. I was just like, I'm an American citizen. I've got rights. You're not going to look at my stuff. And they said, well, you're going downtown. And I said, well, do what you got to do. And the next thing you know, I had these bad boys on, and I had these on, and they were sticking me in the car. And I was about 30 minutes later, I was in the federal facility downstairs underneath the courthouse, and I was in the jumpsuit with all these other guys. <clears throat> and about 30 minutes after that, after they're fingerprinting you and all that stuff, I was in jail at the, in the federal facility, and I'm in, the, I'm in the jail, and the door shuts. The door just shuts, clang, and I'm sitting there. <clears throat> God got my attention that morning. Remember when I prayed? Lord, just open my eyes. I just, I'm, I'm just feel like I'm falling asleep. Most people, when they get arrested, five words come to their mind. And those five words came to my mind. <laughs> get me out of here you can add another word now so it's actually six words so I spent about 12 hours in there my wife came and picked me up they wouldn't even let me make a phone call to be honest with you it was pretty messed up I ended up getting out of there and I actually walked away from all of that pretty unscathed but here's Paul who's chained up. And when I was chained up, I realized, Lord, you got my attention. And I said, I just got on my knees in that jail cell, and I said, Lord, what do you want from me right now? 
And this was, it was pretty clear. Time's running out. He said, time's running out. So when you get out of here, you better focus on what you need to do because time's running out. Left the ministry and that's how I ended up here. Because a couple years later, I'm here. And then a couple years later after that, I'm in Northland. A couple years later that, now I'm here again. A couple years, I don't know what's going to be next, but I know this. Time's running out. Time's running out. So here's Paul sitting in jail, and he's saying, hey, he's going to bring whatever, whoever, he started this in you, and he is going to bring it completely to the end. He's going to finish it. Verse 8, Paul yearns for them with the affection of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, Paul's prayers that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. We are living in such deceptive times. Would you agree with that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't even, I, I watch the news because it's actually funny. It's actually funny. If you watch the news, if you watch CNN and, or MSNBC or even Fox, it's actually funny to see what's going on. Because in the old days, they used to just say the news and then they, there was no commentary. Now there's all this commentary after they tell you what happens. Even on our local news stations in Houston, they'll say, oh, this guy, that happened. And then they have some commentary at the end about why he didn't. They're like, how do you know that? You don't know that. That's so wrong to say that. Just tell me the news, okay? But there's so much deception going on in our world today. And I, I, did, I did this with the seniors, and they figured this out. This group is smart. This group of seniors, I'm telling you, they are. They're a bright group, right? So while I was in jail in the L.A. County Jail, I went to the L.A. County Jail. Uh, that was as a visitor. I went with, a, with my friend. And uh, while I was in jail there, um, this guy from Iowa was doing magic tricks with these guys from the L.A. County Jail. And he taught me this trick. And I, I'll teach you guys this trick. It's a real easy trick. Just a white card. Just a white card with black dots on it, okay? And so on this side of the card, I have how many dots? One. Good job, you guys. Seniors are like, we've seen this. You're boring us, okay? Stay with me. Black card, or white card, black dots. On this side, one. On this side, I have four. On this side, I have three. On this side, I have six. You guys with me? Pretty simple, so right? Right, one white card, black dots. So on this side, one, four, three, Six. Okay, who can raise your hand? Probably not the seniors because you know the trick. How many of you can raise your hand? Just raise your hand. How am I doing this trick? Anybody know how I'm doing this? How am I doing it? Nope. Anybody? How am I doing it? Yeah, I'm covering up one of the dots. It's not rocket surgery. Yeah, I'm covering up one of the dots. So on this side, I've got one. I'm just covering up the dot. On this side, I've got this side. I'm just covering this. This side, I cover the blank spot, right? And on this side, you can make one of these. You can, they're so simple to make like this, right? Got me? The key to the whole trick is when you do it, you make sure you do it in the right way and you cover up the right dots at the right time because timing is important because when you're in front of a bunch of guys who are murderers and thieves and rapists and all stuff, you don't want to goop this up. You want to get this right because they're like, oh, yeah, sure, right? So you start out like this. On this side of the card, I have one dot. I have one black dot. You guys all with me? One black dot. With me? Right? One black dot. Okay, you're right. There's three. On that side, so I had three. And then when I flip it over on this side, I have how many? Six, I told you that all along, I had six dots, right? So you have three on this side, six on that side. You guys still with me? And then when you flip it over the last time, you have this many. You guys with me? You with me? Okay, what's, what's amazing is I can trick you with a white card and black dots, and it's just black and white. It's just black and white. So if we can be deceived in such a little thing, don't you think 
There's things in this world that we can be deceived by. The only way we cannot be deceived is by the word of God. So that's why Paul is saying to these guys, he's saying verse 7 and verse 8, 8, for God is my witness, I yearn for you. Verse 9, he said, it's my prayer that for your love may abound more and more. So be loving with knowledge and discernment. He says, understand, get your head out of the sand, take a look around Church of Philippi and see what's going on. Have some knowledge about what's going on and don't be deceived. Have some discernment. Don't be tricked. If Dan Woods can stand up there and trick you with a white card, do you don't think that this world can trick you? There's no doubt about it. And if actually, if you back up to verse 8, there's a chance, there's two chances in, in Philippians 1, 1 through 11, that Paul was from Texas because he does, in verse 8, he says, how I yearn for y'all. So there's a chance, y'all, he, he's from Texas. I refuse to say y'all. And when people say, <laughs> when you're a group of people in Texas, they say, all y'all. I'm like, what? All y'all going to dinner? All y'all stop talking to me that way. That's weird. My daughter does that. Right away, she moved down and she goes, y'all coming over to our house? I'm like, y'all better stop talking like that. Yeah. This is so weird. Verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. He tells us what to do, and then he tells us why. So he says, in every prayer of mine, in verse 4, I'm making all my prayer with joy. He says, because of your partnership. He has joy because of the partnership. He has a, none of this joy he's talking about has to do with his circumstances. <laughs> doesn't have to do with his chains. Doesn't have to do with his the imprisonment, the, the shipwreck, doesn't have to do with any of his circumstances. His joy comes from the fact that he's, he's partnered with people in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his joy here and his love for them. So you may approve what is excellent, what is pure and blameless. Verse 11, fruit, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Christ Je through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. See, he wants you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness is not of your own self. You, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do on your own to earn the righteousness that God requires. I was telling the seniors, I have a parachute that I, I have. It's a, it's a real live parachute. You strap it up under your legs and stuff. And I've, I've, I've worn that through the airport before. And you should see the looks that you get from people when you put on a parachute and you go through, you check out, you know, you're checking through TSA and stuff. You put your parachute on there and you're sliding it through. And on the other end, you put the parachute back on and you get on the other end. And those guys, you, you, see, the, you see people like, what gate you going to? <laughs> Follow me. We're going on an airplane. You get on and I make sure that, you know, they're handing you those little sanitary wipe things to clean your hands off because of COVID. I make sure I look right inside and I say to the pilots, I say, good morning, guys. Morning, gals. How you doing? Good to go. Good to go. Yeah. But you know what? You wear a parachute. The Bible says put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. The reason I'm going to put a parachute on is if that thing's going down, oh, they'll all be laughing at me, right? When everybody's scrambling for the doors to get out because the plane's going down, they won't be laughing then. They'll be like, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable when I wear it in the seat. It's a little uncomfortable. 
but I'll put it on. I'll risk that knowing that if this plane goes down, you guys won't laugh at me because I'm ready because I've put on my parachute. So on the day of when you die, because everybody's going to die, 10 out of 10 people die. It's, it's, a, it's a fact. 10 out of 10 people die. When you die, you will stand before the Lord. It's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. So why would, a, why would God allow you into heaven? When I was in college, somebody said, hey, if you were to die tonight and, and God asked you, well, you know, why would you come into heaven? Why should I let you in? I said, well, I just tell him I'm sorry. And that person said to me, you're dead. You're not talking at that point. You think you're going to say something to God? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Blew it off. Went back to my dorm room a couple of weeks later. Got down on my knees and said, God, I know I'm not the best person. But I want you to run my life. I don't want to go to hell. And I got up, and I kept doing the exact same things I was doing. Exact same things. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. I'm still doing the same stuff. Went into L.A. County Jail, and that's when I realized I was not a saved man. Because I went in when Bruce Crevier's been here. He's got the 12 kids, spins basketball, rides his motorcycles around. <clears throat> Bruce Crevier said some things in my life that blew me out of the water, but he was a friend who was able to say them to me. He came and did a program at my school at Sunrise Middle School in Kearney, Nebraska, and <clears throat> spent a couple days with us in our house and stuff. They were over our house. Went to Mexico on a mission trip with him one time. <clears throat> He comes into my office after a, after a program one time, and he says, Dan, he goes, I don't think you read your Bible enough. I'm like, how can, you, how can you say that to me? I don't read my Bible enough. He was right. I wasn't reading it at all. But I defended. I said, how, how can you say that about me? He goes, well, I've just been in your house for a couple of days. I've watched how you've disciplined your kids, not judging you or anything. I'm just watching. And he goes, I watch how you discipline your kids. And he goes, you're not disciplining them in a biblical way. So he says, I don't think you're reading your Bible. Okay, you're right. He was right, but he had the guts to say it to me. So he says to me one day, he says, hey, I'm going go to the, I'm gonna go to Los, Angeles, Los Angeles County Jail. Do you want to go with me? I'm like, I don't know if I want to or not. <clears throat> he said, well, let's go to Cook County Jail in, in Chicago. Let's go up there. And I said, okay, I'll go to Cook County. It's not that far. I can get on a plane in Lincoln or Omaha, and I can fly to Cook County. Well, he calls me a couple days later. We had it all set up. We're going to go to Cook County, see the juveniles. He said, you need to see the juveniles in Cook County. That'll give you another new appreciation for being a principal. So we got it all set up. We're going to fly up to Chicago, get ready to do that. And he goes, hey, got to change the plans. I'm not going to Chicago. I'm going to L.A. County. He goes, go to L.A. County. He goes, here's what you can do. He says, I've already got your flight taken care of. Just fly to Minneapolis. He said, I'll be at the airport at Minneapolis. I'll let you know where I'm going to, you know, I'll text you and let you know what, what gate I'm going to be at. He said, just meet me at that gate. And he said, we'll fly from L.A. to, or we'll fly from Minnesota to L.A. And he said, I'll be safe. Well, great, great. So I, I don't fly much. It's like my second flight I've ever been fly. I fly to, from Omaha to, to Minneapolis, and I get up there, and I'm nervous. I don't know where to go. I just, and he texted me, and he said, just, just go to gate whatever. I go to gate 34. And he says, just go there and sit down. So I go there and sit down, and I hadn't seen him for like two years. He'd grown a full beard, mustache, the whole nine yards. Wouldn't even recognize the guy. He looked homeless, okay? So he, he come, I, I'm just sitting there. And I'm real nervous. I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up behind me that I can't see. He comes up behind me, and he takes his beard, and he grabs my head. He rubs it against his face, and he says, Dan, how are you? And I about jumped out of my chair. I'm like, I don't fly very often. I got to go to the restroom now and get some different underwear. And you're taking me to the L.A. County Jail, which is a place we could die. And you're doing this to me. 
We go out to L.A. County Jail. We get out there. I'm just carrying his ball bag, just carrying his ball bag around. Stuff. We go into the jail, and <clears throat> there's all these glass walls, all the prisoners behind there. We're out here setting stuff up. They open up the doors, and they make announcements. In five minutes, this guy's going to perform. You guys need to come out here. Once the door is shut, you cannot come back. You cannot go back. You have to come out if you want to see him, because once the door is shut, you're not going to be able to hear him. You're just going to have to stand behind the glass and watch. There's a whole bunch of guys in there. Toughest guys I've ever seen in my life. Guys, guys start coming out. I'm setting up. Bruce goes, hey, just go over and share the gospel with some of those guys where we're waiting. So I go up to the first guy I see, and I said, hey, I said, uh, <clears throat> uh, do you know God has a wonderful plan for your life? You should really trust Christ. And he looks at me, and he says, <laughs> he says, buddy, I'm locked up in the L.A. County Jail, and there's a 99% chance I'm never getting out of here. And he said, you're telling me God has a wonderful plan for my life? And, do I, and then I said, I thought my follow-up was, don't you want an abundant life? And the guy goes, no, I'm probably not going to have one, and I probably don't need one, thank you very much. So I went back to Bruce, and, I, and he goes, how'd it go? I said, oh, great. This is what I asked him, and he goes, you idiot. Don't you know what the gospel is? I don't know. He goes, come here. Walks up to the guy. He said, hey, buddy, you see yourself as a good person? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm a good person. He said, you ever lied? You ever stolen? You ever, uh, he said, you ever lied? Yeah. You ever stole anything? Yeah. You ever committed murder? And the guy goes, I can't tell you that. <laughs> Bruce's like, well, skip that one. You ever uh, looked at a woman with lust in your eyes? The guy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, Bruce says, you know what? According to God's standards, if you were to die today, would you be innocent or guilty? And the guy says, I'd be guilty. And Bruce goes, does that concern you? He goes, absolutely. And Bruce goes, do you know what happened so you don't have to go to hell? No, no idea. He said, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. If you repent of your sins and trust in Christ, he said, you'll have eternal life. He goes, do you want to, and the guy says, can I do that right now? I didn't know what the gospel was. The gospel was God has a wonderful plan for your life. Paul was in chains. He committed his life to Christ. He ends up in chains. He ends up shipwrecked. God doesn't have a, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It just may not look what you look like. So what I realized on that day was, and it goes with verse 14, filled with the fruit of righteousness. On the day of judgment, you're not really, you don't really need to say anything to God. He doesn't need to ask you lots of questions because the Bible says he knows those are his. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be covered in the blood of the lamb. Just be covered in the blood of the lamb. See, on the day of, on the day of when I die, I don't have to say anything to God because he knows who I am. He knows. He says, I can tell who are, who's are mine. So when I became a Christian, and it was probably, I was probably about 30. I was sitting in my office one day, and I realized Bruce said that to me about all of that stuff, and I realized I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved after I came back from L.A. I'm like, I'm not saved. So I repented of my sins, and I trusted in Christ. And the next thing you know, he says, here's what you're going go to do. You're going to go to this other ministry after you quit. You're going to start a ministry. You're going to go to this other ministry. You're going to get arrested. And then after that, you're going to come to Nebraska Christian. You're going to be here, and you're going to hire some people. You're going to hire Gib, and um, you're going to hire, you're going to start working with the Flins, and you're going to uh, reconnect with Gordon, and you're going to hire Mr. Ostrand. You're going to have to talk to him for a couple, maybe two years before he comes over. You're going to meet him at an FCA meeting, and then he's going to come over, and he's going to teach for you. You're going to do these other things. And then after that, you're going to leave here, and after you're here for six years, you're going to move to Texas. And it's going to be really hard for your son because he's going to have to leave mid-year. And then after that, um, you're going um, to work 
in that school in Texas, then you're going to come back up here. And then after that, we're not sure. Oh, in the meantime, you're going to get arrested. I forgot about that. And so um, all of those things are going to happen. Does that make sense? Okay. And if you die, it's okay because you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And see, I can still see everything. I can see Molly. I can see everybody sitting here. Molly's right down. There's Molly. I saw Molly. There's Molly. I saw you earlier. Yeah, there's Molly, right? Okay. So I'm going to meet all you guys. So if you're not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, if you die today, if you die in your sins, you're doomed. You're headed for hell. So trust Christ. Repent of your sins. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I've broken all of your laws. Trust him. Believe in him. And then start moving. You seniors trying to figure out, what am I going to do? Everybody asks you, That's, where are you going to go to school next year? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Just say, I don't know. I'm going to wait till see what the Lord does with me. Just wait. Just wait on God. He'll show you exactly what to do. Trust in Christ. Repent of your sins. Doesn't matter what the circumstances is. Paul tells us that. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Just trust me and follow me and walk with me. And it's all going to be fine. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the school. Thank you for the leadership that you have here today. Thank you for what you're doing. It's great to see all the things. Great to see people that uh, are just uh, focused on you, love you, are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to serve you in everything that we can do and all the things that we can. And just give us, just establish the work of our hands today. Just today, just establish the work of our hands that we can serve you in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today.